0: So, so much discussion about private healthcare clinics and what they do for us and why we benefit from them. And from the GI Health Center, GI Clinic, they do lots of different stuff there. Dr. Supna Makija joins us on Toronto Today to discuss all that she does. Wants to get the narrative right as well about whether or not private private clinics like this can function properly and they can continue to see patients and take the load off the hospitals. That's the goal at the end of the day. So uh, we're paying for a lot out of pocket already. Let's find out what we're getting right and getting wrong in terms of the media narrative about some of these decisions. Doctor, thanks very much for reaching out, first of all, and and thanks for making the time to uh, to chat with me uh, for our audience. Thanks, Greg, for having me. You mentioned it, too, um, the other day that um, you've been running a a colonoscopy clinic for 10 years now. The efficiency with which things like this and clinics like yours can run compared to, in essence, clogging up the hospitals. um, We've been doing this for a long time, and it seems to have had a good level of success.
1: Absolutely. I think Ontario is one of the few provinces in Canada where we are allowed to open these clinics that are privately owned, but publicly funded. That's the key, key distinction that the public is, doesn't seem to understand. So we've been doing this for 10 years because when we graduated from our residencies, there were no jobs in the hospitals for people
0: Mm. that were
1: just graduating. So we got desperate and we needed to create our own job for us. So we actually took a huge pay cut because we have to pay for all of the operating costs from our own income, which we would be making at the hospital with much less overhead. But we decided that, you know, the service is needed. Patients still need colonoscopies and endoscopies and gastroenterology consults. So we decided to open GI Health Center and it's now 10 years running strong.
0: That's really interesting that you say that because, yeah, you had to make a little bit of a career pivot and say um, we're going to have to start from ground zero and, and build something foundation up. But that's that's difficult. That's not without its stress going right into a hospital system. Um, you've got a lot of infrastructure around you with less stress to some extent.
1: Absolutely. And more recently, the, the staffing issues at, at Oh, Cross El Cahara have also impacted us and the mm. cost, like just before COVID, um, the lockdown we had to shut down for three months. And when we were reopening, simple things like chemicals that we needed to reopen, initial case was $146 a case and it went up to 365 So who's paying for that? That was not the government, that was us, the yeah. three doctors that are running this clinic trying to reopen to provide care.
0: It's Dr. Sapna Makija. Makija, look, joining us from GI mm-hmm. Health Center. Give me that sense as well when you see all the coverage on Monday and, and all the people that talk about it. Um, wh- wh- what's where's the narrative getting skewed? What's what do you find accurate and inaccurate about all the talking heads, all the blah blah? What's the first reaction when you hear some of it?
1: Well, I think the the media is definitely putting a little bit of fear into the public. These privately owned, publicly funded clinics have been around for a very long time. Most of the family doctor clinics are like that. Um, For example, where do you go for blood work? Uh, Mm -hmm. Rarely to a hospital. It's usually Gamma Dynacare or Life Labs type of place. And guess what? Those are privately owned. Gamma Dynacare is owned by an American company. But it's publicly funded by the Ontario government. So you don't pay for blood work when you go for routine testing. Yes, there are a few tests you have to pay for, but you're not paying for that. So that's exactly where uh, the government, I understand, is trying to pivot right now. I think that people are concerned that they're going to have to pay out of pocket. We do have something called the Canada Health Act. And whether you get scoped in a hospital or whether you get scoped at a clinic such as ours, you do not pay out of pocket and nor will that ever change. There are, you know, some extra things that people have always had to pay for, for example, cosmetic stuff, and that's still mm-hmm. going to be private. But for the most part, everything is still publicly funded. And I think there is a long, lot of finger pointing happening towards this government and pre, and not recognizing that healthcare has been a huge problem in this province for at least 20 years dating back to the NDP days when you know, the medical school enrollment classes were cut down and the Kathleen Wynne days when she cut down physician fees forcing many people to leave the province or go to the U.S. I mean, even to this date, there's no talk on physician recruitment and retention right now. No,
0: there isn't. Is an...
1: pro- yeah, and unfortunately, the healthcare system needs physicians and there is no plan on changing the burnout that physicians are experiencing and why many are leaving the hospitals, not because they're making more money in a private clinic, it's because of the working conditions that are currently present in the hospital.
0: That's what I noticed yesterday. I mean, I'm in a hospital for nine hours, and I'm watching how hard these doctors and nurses work, and I'm thinking these nurses should want more. I, look, I, I abhor the idea of, of Bill 124. Even the court said, well, that's unconstitutional. You should be able to negotiate with your union. But I'm thinking some of the people that have, have this narrative – a doctor that it's like public good, private bad. Well, nobody does anything out of the goodness of their own heart. Nurses have a bottom line that they would do the job for. Doctors and surgeons have a bottom line they would do. I I just, I don't like this. Public hospital, good, private clinics, bad. You're all doing the best you can for the people that come to see you.
1: Yes, and absolutely. The nurses do need to be better supported and paid better. But, you know, the cost of living has gone up for everyone. The Mm -hmm. cost of running a clinic like ours has gone up dramatically. And we cannot continue to survive and provide a service without extra funding from the government. We just can't. It's just got The costs have just gotten too astronomical, and we still want to be able to provide a service. We did 5,500 cases just last year. And when the hospitals cut down elective procedures, colonoscopies and gastroscopies were also not allowed in the hospital. So we took a huge brunt of the um, mm-hmm. overflow out to clinics like ours, and we did not get compensated for it. The only thing that the government did was say, oh, if you're open on Saturdays and Sundays, we will give you a premium. But if you're doing your routine stuff from Monday to Friday and taking a load off the hospitals, you will not get compensated.
0: How many um, how many people did you end up seeing during lockdowns who said, I, I can't even get in to see my family doctor? He or she still won't see me 18, 20 months in. That was a massive problem. I, I know that, you know, your doors are open because you need to have the doors open to make that profit. Family doctors could bill the same thing online for a consultation via Zoom as if they had the doors open. That's not as easy for a clinic like yours.
1: No, it's not. But the interesting thing about gastroenterology is that most of the time we're bringing the patient in for physical exam when we do the procedure anyhow. So, yes, we were also doing virtual for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And now many patients still you know, demand virtual. And so we have to do video because the government hasn't um, uh, has gotten rid of the telephone calls. And yesterday, as a result, I had three no-shows because they have technical issues. And well, why, do they
0: want, why do they want video? Are they afraid to come in still? Well,
1: No, no, absolutely not afraid. Uh, Convenience for them, they're coming from farther distances, or they have a work schedule that doesn't allow them to take, you know, time off. And that's, again, the same thing with a hospital. If you go to the hospital Mm -hmm. for a procedure, you're giving up a half day or a full day at many times. Um, Mm -hmm. But you come to a clinic like ours, just because of the efficiency, if provided Mm -hmm. that things are all going smoothly, you could be in and out in two hours. Your colonoscopy
0: amazing and uh and i i hope we can have more conversations about colonoscopies i'm a huge advocate I've, I've lost friends um to colorectal cancer and and anybody over the age of 45 um should be pushing their own uh gp and their own doctor to be able to get that um you yeah. can Oh, go ahead. I want it. I yeah, want
1: sorry. I was going to say that those guidelines are more so for the U.S. and Canada. still, if you have no symptoms and no family history, the screening age begins at age 50. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. But
1: definitely, if there's a family history or symptoms, you do need to get mm. checked out. It is an entirely preventable cancer.
0: Dr. Makija, thanks so much. I hope we get a chance to talk again. I really appreciate you making time for the audience.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: OK, uh, you can visit, by the way, uh, her clinic, GI Health Center at GIHC.ca.